Welcome to the Bold Speak Podcast. I'm Anthony Creedon. On this edition of the Bold Speak Podcast, my friend Marcus joins us once again as we're taking a look at the most popular verse within the Christian faith when it comes to apologetics and discussing if it really means what you think it means. And on the inner out, we're taking a look at a few books that have been inspirational and influential to us as of late, and just maybe something you would enjoy diving into as well. All of that right now as we give them the Bold Speak. Welcome, everyone, to the Bold Speak podcast. Uh, glad you could be with us as we continue this series on defending hope. But today, talking uh, more about the apologetic side of it and specifically looking at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, which really stands as the, the pinnacle verse to a lot of the conversations uh, associated with apologetics and, and in particular with the idea of, of hope as we look at the, the hope that we're defending, what apologetics actually is and how it's intended to work. Uh, joined once again by my good friend, Marcus. Marcus, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me again. Yes, uh, excellent. Yeah, yeah. We've we got you for two episodes in a row. So uh, get excited, people. This is uh, this is a big <laughs> deal. Um, you know, for, for those of you who've been kind of listening along, you know, that uh, you know a lot of this was started on the basis of a sermon that, that Marcus did. Um, and, and this verse really was the, the heart of, of that message as you were talking right. about grace yeah. and truth. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about, you know, as we get into this, kind of what you were getting at with that and and kind of how this verse you've seen it sort of play itself out yeah yeah so that uh that sermon uh on grace and truth it was in within a larger series uh that we did at university lutheran chapel called and um where yeah. we were just kind of taking some things that uh i guess some things that often fit uh a bit paradoxically together yeah. the truths that that we have to kind of embody and live in intention um, and, and, you know, things that often, you know, we want to pick one side or the other when right, scripture right. really calls us to, um, to embody both. And, and right. so in the sermon on, on grace and truth, uh, was really kind of addressing, uh, I think this, this issue that we often encounter in the church today, where it feels like we're, we're forced to choose between, I have to stick to like the truth of scripture, you mm -hmm. know, in terms of like what God has said, whether it's about, um, I don't know, the the scandal of particularity and, right. and Christ sure, is sure. the only path towards salvation, or right. I have to stick to biblical truths on what does God say about sexuality, things right. like that. Mm -hmm. Or I stick with, you know, I need to just be gracious and welcoming right. and, and, you know, not and and grace there you know typically you know means like well you know god's forgiving god's merciful and so right. who am i to judge kind right of thing. right right and and really you know as you kind of like and I, and i think this is kind of at the heart of of this verse is that like scripture calls us to to embody both of those things right uh that we should speak the truth of god's word uh whether that word is is a gracious one or a harsh one right uh but we should do it gently we should do it respectfully uh, we should be seeking to, I don't know, represent the best in our in yep. our neighbor, yep. um, and and not you know just build up straw men and and stuff right. like that, and and so really kind of trying to call people to you know say like yeah like be faithful in terms of the truth of scripture, right? Uh, but embody that faithfulness with the same graciousness that God has toward toward us, the yeah. same 
gentleness that God has toward us, the same patience that right. God has toward us. Right. Yeah. It really is a, a, a very delicate tension that we're called to maintain. And it's very easy, right, to jump on the teeter totter to fall on one side or the right. other and then try to compensate for the right. other. And it, it can get a little dicey there right. in, in the way that we approach it. And, you know, especially when it comes to apologetics, I, I feel in many respects that, that it's it's become more oriented with being right than doing right. Right. Um, right. And that's wrong. Right? Well, so, and, and, and a lot of times, like being right and speaking the truth gets used as this excuse to just be a jerk right, right. <laughs> it's kind of you know it's uh, it's like you know well it doesn't matter they're they're wrong so right. I, don't, I don't have to uh you know i don't have to show honor or kindness to right. you know to people right. who are who are wrong right and well, it's like well I think you kind of do, actually. <laughs> right. right. Well, and a lot of what we've been talking about, you know, especially in the, the one that we did about revenge. And then, you know, last week, as we were talking about, you know, being a do-gooder and, and, you know, acting in an honorable way toward other people and living that gospel life, I, I think in, in many respects, you know, to, to be so fixated on being right over doing right comes from hopelessness mm -hmm. um, where you don't feel like doing right is going to get you anywhere. Um, so, so being right at least satisfies the self. Um, and, and if that's all I can get out of this, then, then at least I have that. And, and so there's a lot of hopelessness in a lot of those ideas that I think we want to tackle and address on, on how we can be right. Yes. And do right. Um, at the same time and, and sort of what that looks like. Um, so before we get too much further here, um, you know, I want to refresh your minds on, on what we're dealing with here. And this is first Peter chapter three, specifically dealing today with verse 15. I'm going to read that for you. Um, as always, this is from the English standard version of the Bible. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. And so this is what we're looking at is, is how exactly do we do that, right? How do we, we defend this hope uh, with gentleness and respect? And uh, the, the first question I want to throw out here and, and discuss is really the kind of the state of apologetics today. Mm -hmm. You know, you and I both, I, I think, work in and, and a lot of our lives revolve around kind of Christian ministerial circles. Um, when it comes to apologetics, or at least the way we typically hear the church approach apologetics, what are you hearing? What's your sense of the state of apologetics at, at this moment? Yeah, yeah, um, that's yeah, great question. I, I mean, I would say, I don't know, at least for... I have, I guess, a hard time putting a, a good like timestamp on sure, it. But, sure, sure. You know, for you know, for a while now, um, it really seems like like apologetics. You know, it, it, you know, really is. It's about it's about defending the faith, right? Um, which I mean, there's nothing wrong no, wrong with not that. At all. But I think usually, usually, what that's really kind of just limited to is is defending the like the validity of the Christian faith, right? You know, and so things like. Um, the reliability of the Bible mm -hmm. and Genesis one and two mm -hmm. and and all that kind of stuff, um, you know, of like, you know, it's defending the faith against against the atheists and the and the right. Darwinian evolutionists right, and, and right. all of that, um, and and like, you know, that I don't want to say there's no place for for right, that, sure. you know, that that we should have good arguments about you know the internal logic sure. of of the Christian faith, yep. um, and and that like. Yeah, the truth of, of Christianity is is sound. Yeah. Um, however, um, that doesn't really seem to be what Peter is calling the church to Not here at all. In, yeah. in verse three fifteen <laughs> at all. Right. Um, and 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 it seems to be that you know that what 
what scripture calls us to again while there's a place for apologetics right absolutely uh the sense of of defending the validity of christianity um that that i think really you know like what peter says here is 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 you know be prepared to give a defense of the hope that is in In you you. yeah um you know and so the call isn't that you have to be able to give a rational defense for the whole of the christian faith and why it's you know empirically valid right uh but it's really like why do you have hope right like i mean it's really just uh, right like, like you have hope why right what, like what's the reason right that? where's that coming from right. you know i i would agree I, I feel like a lot of the the conversation around apologetics is really void of this hope conversation right um i don't hear it a lot you know and and as someone who, you know, I, I taught high school uh, a course on apologetics, you know, for, for six years, I, I taught high school students, you know, all of the, the, the good science and, and the good philosophical arguments and, and these sorts of things. But one of the things that I always made sure to stress to the students was was the whole purpose of apologetics is to open a space for the gospel. Right. That's its goal. Right. It's it. You, you know, you're 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 never gonna be able to 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 argue someone into faith. It just doesn't work that way, right? The the, the spirit moves and works through the gospel and the proclamation of the gospel message, and so apologetics may be able to overcome right the bad philosophy with the good, so that you open a space for that gospel proclamation and to explain that hope that is within you, but. Right. Apologetics being an end into itself is, I, I to me, I feel like I'm kind of useless. Um, right. Well, and I think I think especially you know as as culture has has shifted over over time here, yeah. you know the the primary thing that's kind of shaping the way that people think and and operate in the world, I don't think is the like, it's not the like Richard Dawkins right. like you know pure purely materialistic and and you know right. solely you know like just the all rationalistic arguments mm-hmm. like that's not the primary thing I, I think probably more broadly shaping kind of just public thought is, yeah. is kind of more like kind of the more postmodern uh, yeah. influences and and I think some people you know that there's this tendency of, of we need to we need to make sure that that Christianity isn't tainted by postmodernism <laughs> right. because postmodernism is just solely asso- solely associated with relativism you know and your right. truth is your truth and right. my truth is my truth and and there while there is some truth to that um i, I actually think one of the the gifts of of kind of a, a postmodern more postmodern culture is now it's not just the christian faith that's contested right it's every, every belief system yep, absolutely is, t- is tested right and so like the you know the rationalist you know and and the person who's like everything has to be empirically verifiable right that that system and that view is contested just like the christian faith or you know buddhism or you know everything is contested and so it to a certain extent i think it actually in i think in a lot of ways can liberate christians to to have this freedom where it's like okay i don't have to give a rational defense entirely uh, you know, not. I'm not trying to say Christianity is irrational, oh, right, 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 but right. like I don't have to always try to prove to someone why the Christian faith is true. I don't right. have to do that. What I can do is I can just give a witness to and attest to the beautiful gift that is 
the gospel and the hope that we have in Jesus. Right. And and that to me, that that's, uh, that's going to be the more common occurrence, right? right. I, I don't necessarily know that the average Christian who's, who's walking around um, that someone's going to, to see them with a smile on their face and go, hi, I, I see by the smile on face, you're a Christian. So what is your thought on um, the uh, makeup of a cell and the evolutionary process that got there? <laughs> I don't, it doesn't seem right. to me like that's the conversation that'll happen. You know, it's more like you have a smile on your face. Like, what, how are you so happy right, right. now? Like, it feels like the, the world's crashing down around us with this and that and the other thing. And then you attest to that hope. Maybe that leads to a conversation where you're talking about the finer points of, of you know, the right. uh, cells makeup or any number of things. But the, the real question that it seems like that that is going to be asked of the Christian is more the question of how do you have this this kind of hope that seems to not be phased by the chaos and calamity around us? Right. Um, and, and the answer to that question doesn't require a, a PhD in scientific and, and biblical studies. Right. It just right. requires a, an understanding of the, what Jesus has done for you and, and how to communicate that promise to another person. Right. Um, I, I think the concern is, is less about, uh, is, is your belief system empirically valid right although i i mean i believe that about christianity i you know i always feel like i have to throw out that qualifier we're not Um, saying christianity is irrational yeah like you know that like i you know i believe it's it's valid i believe you know the truths of of jesus christ are are historical truths yep but i think that the concern is less about that and i think for most people it's more a question of like is it compelling Right. Right. And and I, I think I mean, I, I think I know this is true for me. I think it's true for many people. I think more people are more comfortable yeah. being able to say, like, here's why I find the gospel compelling. Right. Then they're comfortable giving this sort of thorough <laughs> right. philosophical creationist. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, that, yep. that it becomes more of a sense like this is a truth that's, you know, the truth of, of God's reckless love for the world that he would give his only son right. for sinful people like is beautiful right um and and i can tell that right um and say that's why i believe it yeah and i i get a general sense that you know a lot of the conversation around apologetics uh, at least as of late has has revolved around young people um high school and college age students mm-hmm. and you know a, a lot of the the what i would say is bad science sort of thrown their way um and, and bad philosophy sort of thrown their way uh, however what i what i think is remarkable is we tend to focus on those things yet there is copious amounts of research that show that the reason that they would lose their faith actually has very little to do with the intellectual arguments as much as it does there is no compelling reason to hold on to it right um you know what they're seeing is a lot of ideology not a lot of action right um you know to to experience the kind of love which is you know why studies have been put out that say the, the most impactful thing that a parent can do for their child to help encourage their faith is to see their parent loving someone, right? Um, caring for someone, living out that faith, you know, um, helping out in a soup kitchen, you know, caring for someone, a friend who needs help, you know, those kinds of things. Those are the things that stick in kids' minds. Right. 
that that create this kind of sticky faith that says like that that means something um again it's it's kind of more more than just an idea or a battle of thoughts right um and not to mention the fact that i you know i i talked a little bit about this with gabe i, I really don't think it's our job to to protect the church um i think god's pretty much got so, that covered so uh, i think i think jesus is perfectly <laughs> right, capable right. of protecting uh, uh, this uh, church taking care of the church um uh, you know i i you know you you get this language of like you know, well, if we don't defend creationism against the evolutionists, the church is going to die. The church is not going to die out. That's not how it works. Yeah. Um, you know, Christ is the church. You know, we 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 have the 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 heart of of everything we need in Christ, and and I don't think it's going anywhere. So, right. You know, whether we can make a compelling case um, from a philosophical right. or scientific, that's not going to change. Not right. Going to change that at all. Yeah. And and like you you know like you said before, like I think you know those those more you know scientific and philosophical debates um can be helpful right insofar as 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 they're present to have an opportunity to like actually speak the yep. compelling truth of of yep. the gospel yeah and you know there's a there's a great book that i used when i taught apologetics and the the name of the authors escaped me at the moment but um it was i don't have enough faith to be an atheist mm. um and it was a great book because what it pointed out is in, in the very beginning chapters is that the whole idea of apologetics is sort of leveling the playing field. What we're saying right. is, is that, you know, the, the ideas that are associated with evolutionary thought, the ideas that are associated with Christian thought, both come from a point of belief because both of them can only get you so far, right? right. Scientifically, they can only get you so far. Philosophically can only get you so far when it comes down to it. It's whatever makes the most sense with what we're observing and what we're seeing then now opens the space, you know, for the, the evolutionist does have faith, right? Because no, no one has ever watched evolution happen, right? right. Too much time <laughs> over right. the course to, to actually watch evolution happen. I, you know, I, I often said, you know, when, until you can take dust and, and put it in a jar and shake it until it becomes a life form, you can't ever say you've observed evolution. Um, but what you can say is that here's what I see in front of me which belief system supports what I'm seeing best. And so it really levels the playing field that now you're saying, okay, ultimately it comes down to a belief. Now, which one's belief makes the most sense? That's when it opens the door for the gospel. Right. That's when it opens an opportunity to talk about who God is, his promises, his love, his mercy. Right. That's compelling. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's where, you know, if we want to kind of, you know, talk about apologetics and, and how to approach apologetics, where I found that I, that I think kind of that more like presuppositional yep. apologetics yep, yep, yep. Is, is helpful. Yeah. Where we can kind of just let's all let's all be honest. Let's lay our cards on the table. Yeah. Right. That the scientists, you know, like and I and I don't just use it like scientists in terms of one who does scientific research. Right. Right. But the one who believes that science can reveal to us everything that is knowable about the world. Right. Operates on the assumption of of the, you know, the philosophical system of materialism. Right. That life is ultimately material stuff. Right. Um, but again, that is that is an assumption. Right. Um, and science cannot observe immaterial things. Right. Right. Sci and, and so to use science to make metaphysical claims. Right. Like you can't really make that justification, <laughs> right. right? And so again, I think that's just an example of, of we're going to encounter, we're going to run into different worldviews, different belief yep, systems, absolutely. And, and we're going to have to engage in, in apologetics, but let's maybe do it in a way where we can just all lay our cards on the table that as a Christian, I make assumptions right. about the world right? as, as someone who's, you know, uh, you know, materialist, naturalist, like 
they make assumptions about right. the world every you know every philosophical and religious system makes assumptions about the world right let's lay them on the table and once we've done that then we have an opportunity to give ground for okay here's why i find this compelling right right uh here's why you know kind of in the you know the like the language of the old testament was so often like there's no God like Yahweh, right, um, right. you know, that, that every other system is incomp, you know, incomparable right. to, to the God who has made himself known to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who liberated, liberated his people out of slavery right, in right. Egypt, the God who gave them the promised land, you know, all, there's no God like Yahweh. Right. And, and that becomes their sort of primary testimony before the nations right. uh, is your God's just, they're not like ours. Right. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and I think like we have good reason to do that. Yeah. To go, to just be like, look, like there's just, there's just no God, like the God who made himself known in Jesus. Right. Yeah, there's no God, like the one who gave his own son. For right. Us. Well, and, and then to do that, you know, as we explain who Jesus is as, you know, as he has revealed himself to us and, and sort of the nature of his ministry and what he brings to the table as God, it starts to become very clear, you know, as we we're looking at hope and how it connects to apologetics, it starts to become very clear that God is a God of hope. He's, he's a God of love and of mercy. He's the God that, that takes the sinner and says, that sin is not all you are. It doesn't define you. It doesn't make you who you are. There is a space for you. There is a wonderful place for you beyond that sin. And that's given to you through mercy and love and forgiveness. And, you know, when you're dealing with a world full of people who uh, it's it's not difficult to, to do a little self-reflection and say, I'm a pretty rotten person at times, right? Like I've, I've made some bad decisions. I've, I've done some horrible things. So, you know, when when you're faced with the kind of radical mercy that says that while those things have happened, that doesn't define you. You are something more than that. You are beloved and you belong. Right. That kind of hope, that's compelling. And that's what Peter's getting at. Um, the gospel brings a kind of hope that is indescribable outside of any experience other than a relationship with God. Right. Um, and, and that's striking. That's the kind of thing that makes people stop and go, tell me more about that. Right. N again, not the scientific arguments. You know, those things have a place. But the thing that's going to compel someone to stop and say, what's that about? Is that kind of that kind of radical love and mercy? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. So, you know, as, as we then start to look at, you know, as he calls us to defend this hope, what does a hope defense look like? <laughs> right. Like, how, how does that even work? Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 a great question. You know, I think, you know, again, we've kind of we've kind of been touching on this sort of as we go. And, you know, I think like, you know, there's there's obviously a place for, you know, a, um, you know, giving that more defense of, of some of the the arguments and internal logic for the Christian faith. Sure. Uh, but I think more often than not uh, that people's and, and you said this before, people's reasons for rejecting the Christian faith aren't typically like intellectual ones. Right. Um, yeah, that's perhaps the case from time to time, but a lot of times I think what actually happens is, is people, they have been captured by a different, uh, vision of, of what James K. Smith calls the good life, right? Sure. That they've been captured by this different picture of what does it look like for 
human beings to flourish and what does right. it look like for my life to flourish sure. and, and we all have them right we have this sense of like well like if i have a six-figure salary you right. know that's what human flourishing yep. I've looks like if, I, if right. I have you know this stuff if i have the right relationships if you know if i have right. this that everything else right um you know these are these are visions for what does human flourishing look like right and and so i think kind of within this context uh that that is sort of uh, you know 2021 uh in in the united states uh that like really it's it's displaying for people like well what is the christian vision of the good life sure right and and again back to why is that vision of the good life compelling sure. right what's better about that mm -hmm. than sort of the the pursuit of of money or status or relationships mm -hmm. right and and again you know back to that that language of hope is is one of the things for me is like well it's because the christian vision of the good life actually offers some security yeah right like like if my if my vision of human flourishing is in like how much money i make like i'm always going to be trying to get more yep and if it's in my relationships like i'm very often going to be disappointed right, right? because I'll negatively impact relationships. <laughs> people, the people, screw up. the people yeah. that I'm in relationship will disappoint me. Yep. Um, you know, it's just so many things that these visions of the good life that we create for ourselves, mm -hmm. they end up not delivering on their promises. Right. Right. And even once we get it, like so often what happens is we get that thing. Right. And it's like, oh, this isn't what I thought it would be. Right. Right. Um, where like there is this promise like of like God has a future that he's prepared for you right. right god god has god has that that you know that perfect kingdom that's waiting right for for his people right that that's coming that that he's bringing and so it's not something that i have to create for myself mm -hmm. but it's something that god god freely gives to me right um, and there's something about that vision of the good life that that i find particularly compelling uh that i find my sense of wholeness not in trying to create a certain version of myself but yeah. i find my sense of wholeness in resting in what my god has done for me right and, and and you know when you carry that with you um as you go about your daily life that kind of confidence and and um satisfaction in in god's provision and in the way that you relate to god and and you know, experiencing the, the kind of radical mercy and love that he offers when you carry that out in your life, it's going to be noticed. Right. I, mean, I, right. I, I don't think at least it doesn't appear to me. I mean, maybe your experience is different, but it, it, when you carry that kind of um, hope with you, it, it, it gets noticed and, and, and people want to understand how it is that you can say those things or do those things, you know, and, and, and the, radical mercy that radical kind of hope that we have in christ is going to make you look at situations and act about in situations very differently you know i'm, I'm reminded of um you know the the you know the the, the subway guy jared you remember this mm -hmm. whole thing that happened yeah, yeah, with yeah. him and 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 so uh, you know there was this um there was this moment, I think, where, where, you know, he was he was getting beat in prison um, and the reports were coming out. And, and I experienced Christians, you know, Christian young people, uh, older people who kind of had this satisfaction about that report, like ah, he got what he deserved, you know. And, and I'm thinking to myself, like, that's that's not OK. Right. That, that It's not an OK way to approach that. 
as people of mercy, we should hope that something in that guy's life would change, right? right. And we right. should be rooting for his life to change. And, and when people see you look at, uh, you know, the, I think the world out there kind of sees you look at people who they would say is kind of beyond repair, right? Beyond hope right. Um, in changing. And when you genuinely believe that, that something like the gospel can genuinely change their life and you're sort of rooting for that, that looks different. Right. And, and it makes people sort of stop and go, why? How? Right. right? Like right. this guy's horrible. He's a horrible human being. How could you root for him for anything other than, you know, punishment and justice and yada, yada, right. yada. Um, you know, and I look at things like that and I think to myself like, man, uh, because that's what we're called to as people of hope. Right. I believe there's something more to life. Um, than just kind of what's in front of me, you know, right. and, and those, you know, those things you mentioned of, of wealth and material possession and relationships or whatever, there's something bigger going on that I hope for. Um, and that I look at as the source of my hope. Right. Right. Well, and I think kind of what, what you're getting at there, I think it also connects back to what we're talking about with the, with the do gooder principle. Mm. Um, and that, you know, I think at the very beginning of that episode kind of talked about how like doing good is, is sort of like, it's it's hope sort of embodied and, and right. lived out and and so i think like kind of with that in mind it's like for christians like apologetics is not merely what we say and, right. and defending our hope is not merely what we say but actually in in how we live how we right. treat other people right that like you said like i'm gonna root for people right like, i'm gonna root for people uh to change right um that that i'm not just gonna jump to the assumption that like anyone is beyond redemption right um that that i, I want to root for people to like get their you know get things in order you right. know that even the person who fails most miserably and right and in in the most offensive manner like that i believe that that person can be changed by the hope of the gospel right well and that's why you know you for any of you out there who have you know gone to a Christian conference or heard, you know, whatever they're, they're, the most compelling speakers are the ones that have a backstory, right? They, they tell you like, here's what happened in my life. Here's the mistakes I made. Here's where God brought me as a result of those things. And I stand here as a different man, woman, whoever's speaking right. as a result of the, the gospel having an impact on my life. And it genuinely changed me. When people see messages like that, that's compelling because what it's offering them is a radical kind of hope right. that says that in a world where we seem to just be so ready to write off the sinner and distance ourselves, you know, we're saying no change and redemption and, and reclamation is all possible. And it happens through the gospel. And here's an example of how God's done it here. Here's an example of how God's done it here. And here's a way that God can do it with you. Right. That kind of hope is significant and is very compelling from an apologetic standpoint. Right. Well, and it starts to make the idea of Christian hope like like feel a lot more tangible. Right. Like when you kind of see like, oh, that's how that changed and reshaped this person. Right. Um, and I think that would actually be, you know, like just I think a suggestion that I would offer to folks is, you know, you may not have the radical story of like you know, I was doing drugs and, and <laughs> right, gangs, right. And, you know, like, you know, the, the, you know, the, you know, the very radical testimony, yep. uh, but like, but to just kind of think through, like, how has the truth of the gospel and the story of what God has done in and through Jesus Christ, like, how has that impacted you? Right. Right. And, and like, think, think about that. 
yep. and like be willing to share right that's a part of the hope that's in you yeah uh is like how has this truth god's truth of what he's done in history through jesus how has that impacted me personally and it may not be earth shattering it, it you know like a, a much of my story is like like not that i like grew up perfect by any means but sure. like I'm the product of a lot of faithful people, sure, um, and, and a lot of prayer for prayerful people, who who prayed day after day, like that I would remain in the faith, that I would know the things of God, and people who poured time and effort right. into showing me who Jesus is, right, and reflecting the kind of love that He has for me, and it's because of my experience with that yeah. that I want to kind of continue that legacy of of sharing that with people, sure, um, you know, and so mine's maybe not this like radical 180 there are right. certainly points of stupidity that god like <laughs> sure. kind of shake me out of <laughs> sure uh, but but like but i still but like there's still like something about like yeah like i i'm a my life is the like i've been a constant recipient of grace right um not just the grace of god in jesus christ but kind of secondary to that like gracious people like reflecting that uh, grace to me yeah you know and and you know, I, 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 you know, I do have a story, uh, you know, things that happened to me and mistakes that I made, big mistakes that I made, you know, as, as someone who's divorced and, and remarried, you know, you, I have, as I've said to often uh, to other people, you don't, you don't get divorced because you're doing something right. Um, <laughs> you know, you, you, you make mistakes and, and I made some big ones and, and I really screwed up. I, I think what helped to change my life is I had a lot of influential people, you know, in my world that showed me the gospel, right? It wasn't just a, a situation of like, uh, unfortunately, what I think you get many times, which is, you know, well, well, God, you know, God loves you. And that's the extent of it, right? It's like, God loves you. Um, I don't necessarily right now, but it's a good thing that God does, you know, <laughs> and, 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 you know, but there were people who genuinely treated me as if my sin didn't define me, right. but that's not who I was, yeah. you know, and, and uh, you know, I, I am in large part, and this is no secret to anyone who's been listening to the podcast or reading anything from Bold Speak. I am remarried as a result of uh, an incredible amount of mercy and love shown by my wife, you know, and, and that's yeah. everything she embodied to me of of knowing and, and believing that my mistakes didn't define me. And that opened a pathway for a deeper relationship um, that was really uh, rooted in the kind of radical gospel mercy that we're right. talking about here. And, and I think that's the kind of hope that can genuinely change a person's life. And so I, I guess that being said, you know, what, what then is the role of, you know, as we've been sort of talking about, you know, communicating this hope and what people are seeing, what is the role of hope in not just apologetics, but, you know, even evangelism or just in general Christian living? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think like if you're sharing the hope that's in you, like yeah. if you, you know, if you find yourself just conversationally, like sharing that with someone, yeah. like, I think you're already kind of doing right. evangelism, <laughs> right. you know, job. where yeah. it's just like, you know, it's just like, you know, so like, and this is actually what, you know, where I found this, this verse in first Peter chapter three, uh, to be so helpful because I think I know so many Christians, like they're like, yeah, like I'm called to be a part of God's mission. I want to mm -hmm. be doing the work of evangelism, right, right. but like, I don't know how, I don't know where to start. And <laughs> I've it, been and to it, seminary. Right. And, <laughs> it, and, it, and it kind of freaks me out. Yep, like, yep. um, and, and just being able to like unpack this and be mm -hmm. like, okay, like, can you tell someone why you believe in Jesus? Right. Can, like, can you just, can you explain that just 
It doesn't have to, you don't have to explain everything. Right. Just like if you can, ex if, if you can just give someone a picture of like, here's why I have Jesus. Here's how he's impacted my life. Right. Like just do that. Yeah. Um, and, and like, if you're doing that, you're doing the work of evangelism. <laughs> right. And to a certain extent, I think you're also doing the work of apologetics, you know, right. in, a, yep. in a very simple way Yeah. where, where you're again, like you don't have to know, like how to address every single uh, philosophical presupposition of your opponent. Um, but like, if you can just say like, well, he, like, here's why I trust in Jesus. Right. And, and here's how the gospel uh, and, and God's goodness and faithfulness that he's shown to his people. Right. Uh, for, for the entire history of the world. <laughs> world right? <laughs> um, like here's how, like, here's how that's been made known in my yeah. life. Like, then that's that's a defense yeah. of of the faith. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I, yeah. I I think we sometimes get so caught up in believing that we, you know, have to be able to point to specific Bible verses and know certain things backward and forward to be able to give an effective witness. And you know, and I think understanding the biblical narrative is certainly helpful, right? It, right. it can set up a, a pattern or a history of things, but. The, at first blush, I think what's compelling to people that will make them want to engage in that conversation is seeing how it's impacted your life and then trying to figure out from that point and then maybe what's beyond that. And, and, you know, those are great segues, you know, for you to say, here's, you know, here's how Jesus impacted me. Here's why I find, you know, faith in Jesus to be so compelling. Um, and if you want to know more, I, you know, join me for worship or join me for this Bible class or, you know, listen to this podcast or talk to this pastor or, you know, whatever. And I think at that point, then you can kind of build from there yeah. onto something more significant. But the, the first question, it really, I, I think for most people, it's all about like, what yeah. what's up with you? Yeah. You know, why do you sort of live your life this way? Right. Um, and, and, what's then, compelling and then once you've given them that, you can say check out this podcast at www.theboldspeak.com. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. That's a perfect segue uh, for you to, to promote The Bold Speak. Um, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that. I didn't have to do that. That wasn't even prompted. I didn't, there was no exchange of money, I promise you. Um, yeah. I, no. ass I assure you there was, there was no exchange of money at least not that I'll have to report on my taxes <laughs> right. uh, for me to, to give that little plug. Not significant enough there, right? <laughs> I'll expect uh, I'll expect your W nine here soon. And all that. Um, yeah, no. So I yeah I do think you know your own account of your hope is is the best and most effective witness. Um, and and you know like you said, I think the primary means of an apologetic not necessarily knowing all the science and all the things behind it. There is a place for that intellectually, but again, more to open an opportunity to communicate the gospel because the gospel is what brings about change. The gospel is what gives hope. Right. Um, that's what it's really centralized right. on. And I, this is, I, this is loosely related. Um, but I just like, I guess feel compelled to say like, it's okay to say, I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, and, absolutely. and I think actually can be really refreshing. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like, I think, and again, like, I think that, you know, people are very often used to, like, Christian apologetics becomes almost this, like, bludgeoning tool. Right. Um, where, and, and we try to, like, make the Bible into this science textbook. And I think it's okay to just, like, say, like, you know, I don't know. Like, I don't totally know how to answer that. Right. But here, here's why I have hope in Jesus. Here's, mm -hmm. here's why I trust in, in the gospel. Right. Um, and, and then like, 
there's room for for learning and there's yeah. room for growth both yep. on your part and the people that you're sharing uh, hope with is is like it can be like i don't know but like i want to dig into that together right um and and just because you can't answer every every question or every accusation against the christian faith right uh, doesn't mean you haven't faithfully defended absolutely the hope of, of the gospel absolutely and there's something very impactful and important about sort of having people join you on the journey right um, and kind of doing that together and that's you know that's where you've if you've been around church work circles you hear a lot of people talk about that's where you know small group ministries and stuff become so effective right because it's a great entry point into we're just hanging out, having some food, right. talking or whatever. And we talk a little bit about the faith and about Jesus or whatever, but it's very, it's very familial and it's very much like a, Hey, we're on a, on a journey right now to understand the gospel more and to understand this. Do you, do you want to jump on this journey with us? Even if you're not, you know, no, not committing to anything, you're not whatever, right. Just join us on this journey and, and we'll kind of see where it goes. And there's something very powerful and impactful about, right. about yeah. that. And quick plug, I mean, full disclosure, Tony and I are in a community group <laughs> yeah, together. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and when we are meeting in person, it's usually a, a delightful combination of beer, tacos, toilet humor, and like just talking about the gospel right so, <laughs> it's a wonderful combination so. i can assure you um and it's it's a really good time um yeah uh man i can't wait till we can do that with a little bit more yeah. regularity summertime's around around the corner yes outdoors outdoors can, oh uh, man just, yep 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 um but yeah so you know i think that's you know thinking about hope and and, and how we can utilize that within our apologetic i think you know, Peter would say our experience has shown everything we see biblically. And I think, um, you know, within the church would say that that hope is our apologetic. That's the, the central part of it. And I think that's what Peter is is trying to explain to us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that when our apologetic is rooted in just talking about the hope we have in Jesus through the gospel, um, that's that's really the, the heart of what we're doing. Everything else is a bit. Um, kind of, you know, uh, it's extra, right? Right. Um, it's it's additional. Right. It starts to, you know, get into the deeper stuff. But really, uh, all the apologetic is rooted in is is really hope. Um, yeah. So thanks uh, again for being yeah, on the show. My pleasure. Um, like I said, yeah, two two episodes fun. in a row. That's that's good stuff. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Gabe's going to be with us for the next one. So I mean, it's, you know, who knows what to expect there? But. <laughs> um, but again, thanks so much uh, for joining us um, and and being a part of this. Um, so now what we're going to do is we're going to do uh, another feature that we often do called the in or out. And, and we're going to talk a little bit about books. Um, you know, a lot of the other people we've, we've discussed like music and, and podcasts and videos, but we're talking books now and, and kind of books that are really, um, kind of on our mind lately have been very helpful and, and things. So that's, uh, that's coming up on this edition of the in or out. All right, young man, in or out. Okay, so we're talking about books, uh, books that have been maybe just influential on us as of late, um, things that we've been reading that have uh, kind of had an impact on us. So, so Marcus, what, what have you been reading lately that's kind of been a thing for you? What are you into? Yeah, yeah. So my, um, I, I find myself, I mean, just in turn, especially professionally, reading a hodgepodge of like, uh, like, it'd be like church leadership kind of oh, yeah, stuff yeah. Mm -hmm. um and then like a lot of 
more kind of like academic theological oh, works. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. kind of like tickles my fancy. Right. You're such um, a pastor. <laughs> I know. Like, it's, it's just like, so I'm a pastor. So I read I pastor read the, uh, books. the Bible <laughs> and I read church leadership. And, yes. Yeah. Um, and so like, uh, I guess in the way of like, like church leadership and, and uh, also kind of understanding like the church as it relates to kind of current culture. Yeah. I'm a big fan of, of Mark Sayers. Um, he's okay. a pastor yeah. out of Australia. Um, and there's been a handful of his books that I've read kind of most recently uh, wrapped up uh, the book Reappearing Church. Mm. Um, and uh, and basically like it's kind of just sort of his whole kind of picture of like how might God be using this present moment in Western culture to bring about renewal within, oh, yeah, within yeah. the community of the church. Um, and so I've re- really enjoyed that, actually walked through it with uh, a number of of uh, the interns that work with us oh, sure, uh, sure. at ULC, we finished that up at the the end of of their their fall semester. Um, and then on a personal level, um, I've been working through kind of one of my I guess favorite theologians uh, of the church is Saint Augustine. Oh yeah. Um, and so he like I just have always been very fascinated with him and find it kind of really profound the way that that kind of his theology speaks to me on a very like personal deep level yeah you know like 1700 years later right right right, right. Um, yeah not quite that long but uh um and anyway so i've been working through kind of like in companion with kind of my devotional readings his uh confessions Uh, i've been been reading through that um and and then uh, another one that's kind of more kind of like academic theology. Um, I'm reading, we're starting to work through a book with a couple other pastors uh, just titled The Crucifixion. Uh, it's hmm. by a, an Anglican theologian. Uh, her name is Fleming Rutledge. And okay. it's really kind of unpacking kind of different uh, atonement theories and motifs oh, okay. yeah, in yeah, the yeah. Bible. Uh, and so kind of within theological circles, the, the just... The question that that people never can totally seem to get past is like, why did Jesus die? Or, you know, mm-hmm. why did Jesus mm-hmm. have to die right. for the, you know, the forgiveness of the world? And, sure. and so she kind of unpacks that, not necessarily delving into like, well, it must be penal substitution or, you know, right, it must right, be right. Uh, the victorious atonement, but really more, how does the language of the New Testament speak of the death of Jesus and what it accomplishes for, sure. for humanity? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, I think uh, she's brilliant, brilliant theologian. Yeah. Um, and I think like it's a very thorough treatment of uh, just the question, like, why did Jesus die? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, that's... Uh, I think a, a bigger question than most Christians realize just because we're so used right. to the the conversation about his death and hearing right. about his death that yeah, maybe we, it doesn't occur to people that from an outside perspective, that, that's a little odd. Um, yeah. Why yeah. Did, why was it that? You know, yeah, why, would, why would God kill his own son? Right. You know, right, like, right, right. And, and yeah, I think it sometimes is uh, it, there's some assumptions we make about the answer to that question that, sure. that aren't maybe as obvious. Hmm. Uh to you know particularly to those outside the faith and and so kind of like she you know her approaches really return to like you know like the cross of jesus like is a big deal (laughs) and so as you know is like you know for the bible is like the moment at the center of all of history right the writers of the bible are going to be kind of grasping at straws for like how do we explain this right right right. which is why so like there's a lot of different ways that sure. it gets yep. explained yeah. because it's like 
kind of an important event. You yeah. Know? Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's like, it's like, how do you describe like the most profound event that you've ever encountered to someone who wasn't there? Uh, right. You know, and, and I mean, I th- you know, and so I think like, I think it like, I don't know, that analogy kind of makes sense to me where like I think of, um, you know, I think of like something really awesome, like a, like incredible concert and someone's mm-hmm. like, tell me about it. I'm like, uh, how? Uh, right. okay, like how do I like how do I put like an experience, you know, how do I put something, you know, that big that, you know, kind of earth shattering like into language for someone right. who's like, 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 help me feel like I was there. Help me understand why this is right, such a big right. deal. And I think that's a little bit of what the biblical writers are doing and kind of what she's getting at in, in a sense is like, yeah, this is a really big deal. Right. Therefore, they're going to talk about it in a lot of different ways. <laughs> right, right. Which is kind of one of those, like, you feel like after maybe some of the, the, the explanation, it's kind of like, ah, well, you had to be there. I, I, don't, really, <laughs> right. I, don't, yeah. I don't really know how to tell yeah, you. It's I, like, <laughs> I, yeah, and like with the cross of Jesus, I, I just trust in it like you know it's like trust he died for you so just right. just trust in it like, right right because right. there's no way i could explain to right. you in any um, way that you would really understand what actually happened um yeah. that's fascinating that's cool yeah. um yeah you know for me it's been a combination of things i think some some uh, uh, i mean yeah pastoral nerdy sort of things um you know uh r scott roden's stewards in the kingdom uh has been a, a really important book for me that i've been kind of getting back into lately um and rereading actually because of a, a question of a, a friend of, of myself and Ashley and um, she asked about kind of helping you know how do you help a congregation to understand sort of the, the nature of stewardship right, and right and uh, I was reminded of this book and started reading it again and picked it up again and, and just uh, just love the, the the way that he he puts stewardship in its right context of saying you know stewardship really is a foundational theological principle um, you know and, and falls within um, you know what what I call the the Trinity of theology right that the if you if you follow the creed and it's it's different parts you know you you see stewardship at the front you see justification or salvation in the middle um, then you see vocation and how the spirit lives that life out mm-hmm. in the church knows and and all theological principles can be right categorized under stewardship justification or vocation um, right, right, and in right. many ways kind of connect in multiple so yeah. um I, I really felt like this book is a, a kind of great foundation or primer for what stewardship really is and 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 how it operates yeah i think that's like off one often one of those things like within the church that it's like god loves you Jesus died for you. You don't have to earn anything. You know, you don't have right. to do anything to earn his favor. Now give us some of your money. <laughs> it's like, huh? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and it's 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 a it's a great. It, you know, one of the great things that he does is is talks about how um, a lot of times we get into a false start uh, by talking about the actions of stewardship without first drawing so much attention to understanding what stewardship actually is. Right. Um, and, you know, and he compares it to like a play. Like if, if, if you if you walked in to the third act of a play, it would be incredibly confusing to you and not compelling in any way yeah, yeah, yeah. because you, you don't know who the characters are. You don't know what's gone on before. There would be things that they would be asking you to recall from the previous two acts that you would have no idea what they were. And a lot of times, he, you know, he says, you know, asking for you know, getting to the money part without even discussing what stewardship is, which money is a, a, a small, small part of what stewardship actually is. That's many why, reasons why people aren't compelled 
held because they, they don't know where you're at. They're, how did you know their question? How did you even get there? What what is stewardship even? So right. it's a great book to really kind of uh, kind of firm foundation of the the whole picture of stewardship. Um, another one again. This is really nerdy and weird, but um, the <laughs> the commentary on the Gospel of Matthew um, by Jeff Gibbs um, from the Concordia Seminary series. Oh my gosh. It's, it's, it's so good. Faithful. You know, it's, <laughs> it's just like, so good. Um, um, and it's, it's weird that I, I kind of read it for pleasure. Yeah. But, um, you know, and I've been working on, I mean, and all, full disclosure, I, I, you know, I, I taught the full gospel of Matthew and I taught high school. And, and so I used it a lot for that, but, um, I'm also in the process of kind of working on a book that I've been working on for a while, um, you know, dealing with some things in the Gospel of Matthew. I did a whole podcast series on the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew. So I, I've done a lot in Matthew yeah, yeah, and yeah. read. And just the, the the context that he gives to a lot of these things really, yeah. I feel like, opens up the Gospel of Matthew in such a broader sense that it's it's fascinating. Yeah, um, it really think, puts some, some meat to it. Yeah, I mean, I obviously like love that very same commentary and like Jeff Gibbs was oh, one man. of my favorite professors uh, that I too. had yep, yep, uh, yep, yep. in seminary like much of my approach to the New Testament like shaped was by, shaped by him, by him. Yep. and uh, and so obviously very very you know great deal of respect for, right, for, right, Doc, right. for Dr. Gibbs um, but I think like any resource like I think that really like opens up yeah. the scriptures and, and helps you see like you know the the cultural connections mm-hmm. and and you know some of the the background right um that we maybe sometimes are like well that's just boring history mm-hmm. um just like what does the bible say it's like no no no, no. like like that will like help you better see yeah. like yeah 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 like and it just opens it up it and does. suddenly like a book that can i think we just kind of plow through it sometimes uh feels like I don't know, this is boring, outdated, that all of a sudden it's like there's just this wealth of wisdom that is like you can't even imagine getting to the depths of it. Right. Um, and right. just like some, there, there are a ton of resources out there. Yeah, to, absolutely. To be able to do that kind absolutely. Of thing. Yeah. So, you know, so that's been very helpful. I've been kind of diving into that. Uh, the last one is, is just a fun read um, because I, I do, I'm a really big, like I have to take breaks and reading from a lot of the intellectual stuff or just some fun stuff. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. and I decided to go back and I, I'd never read the Dune series, even though from a sci-fi perspective, it, it really is kind of the precursor and grandfather of many, any mm-hmm. sci-fi tropes that you okay. see um, pretty consistently throughout uh, the kind of the modern sci-fi. But um, I, I've always been really fascinated with science fiction, simply because there's a lot of philosophical underpinnings um, and a lot of science fiction. Um, and Dune really is is no different. There's a lot of great um, kind of ideas of kinship and family and feudalism and um, a lot of different things in there. So that's I've been really enjoying that. Um, even though the, the first book, man, it's a it's a monster. Yeah. Um, it's it's uh, it's a beast. So, um, but it's been really good, and I've really enjoyed that. So, um, so there you go. Uh, some some ideas of books you can pick up uh, and and engage with if you like. And I'll go ahead and put uh, some references in the comments so you can maybe check those out uh, on Amazon or something if you're interested in a, a new thing to read. Especially those those you know Gibbs commentaries, man. I think those are uh, wide reaching. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> It's going to be an entire audience just like, you know, drooling, picking up their uh, Concordia commentary That's uh, right. book club. That's <laughs> right. That's right. Diving into that Greek. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, just some good stuff. Again, hopefully some references that'll be helpful for you. Um, and those, uh, ladies and gentlemen, are the latest books that we are into uh, on the in or out. Mm-hmm. 
That's going to do it for this edition of the Bold Speak podcast. Make sure you connect with us on social media, Facebook and Instagram, all at forward slash the Bold Speak. Learn more about the ministry and find other resources at www.theboldspeak.com. And make sure you like, subscribe and share this podcast to stay up to date on the latest from Bold Speak Ministries. Until next time, everyone, live the gospel, live with hope and keep giving them the Bold Speak. <laughs>